Keeping kids safe on social media is a big, important issue, what with sexting, cyberbullying, and all. Bark is an app that monitors your kids' accounts and reports what's happening. And by listening to parents, they discover there's a lot more to the puzzle. We get the details coming right up. This is Design Driven, the podcast about using design thinking to build great products and lasting companies. Whether you're running a startup or trying something new inside a Fortune 1000, the tools, methods, and insights we talk about will help you create things people love. And now, your host, Jay Cornelius. You know, it's not every day you get somebody as interesting as Titania Jordan on the show. She has been a television personality or is a television personality, a tech entrepreneur with multiple startups, and is currently the CPO of Bark. Titania, welcome to the show. And uh, what is Bark? Well, thank you so much for having me. Um, And Bark is an internet safety solution that helps keep children safer online. Um, Interesting. Yeah, so it's a website, uh, and it's an app that you can download in both the iOS and Google Play stores. Um, If you just go to www.bark.us. And what's really cool about it is that it uses machine learning algorithms um, and conversational analysis to monitor uh, what's going on in your children's email, social media, and texting accounts, and then it will detect any problematic behavior that revolves around cyberbullying, sexting, thoughts of suicide and depression, and then it will alert parents via text or email. Um, because we want to differentiate ourselves uh, with regards to privacy. You know, there are certain technologies out there that will just give you everything. And I know as a busy parent, whether you're working full-time in or out of the home, you don't have time to go through all of that. So we keep an eye out for the most concerning things and then bring them to your attention and then help you figure out how to deal with them and the best next steps. Well, that's super interesting. So um, you mentioned that it also monitors text and obviously web app activity or social network activity. Um, How are you doing that? Well, so we have an amazing team of data scientists and uh, our chief technology officer is absolutely brilliant. He's also a dad of two. Our CEO, Brian Basin, um, has worked with multiple startups in the tech space. Um, His most recent company, he sold to Twitter. Um, So none of us are newbies to this tech and data science space. Um, And we're all parents and we're all trying to navigate this landscape of, wow, like our kids are the first kids to have access to the internet, to digital devices. And how are we going to protect them without being helicopter parents? Yeah, exactly. I've got three kids myself and um, monitoring all of that can be quite a chore. It's certain, I certainly relate to. uh, So we talk about um, looking at business problems and looking at startups and, and innovation ideas and thinking that you know, first you have to validate the problem and, and then you have to validate your solution. I mean, the problem seems pretty obvious. So how did you validate that people would pay for this type of service or, or how did you validate that they wanted it? Well, um, it, it was loud and clear, right? The, the problem and that it was surmounting and growing. Um, and there wasn't a clear, easy solution to it that, could save parents time yet protect your tween and teens, uh, growing individual privacy. Um, certainly, you know, 
you could ask for your child's device and just look through everything. But again, that, that just, it's very uncomfortable and doesn't help them, you know, learn independence and learn from their mistakes and navigate that world on their own. Um, so just like you, when you first heard about it, it sounds like you think, Hey, this is a really good idea. Um, and when multiple people and investors and schools and organizations and even teens and tweens all agree that this is something that is not out there and is needed and is so valuable because it actually saves lives, um, people will pay for it. And obviously, you know, if you're a family that, that can't afford it, that shouldn't preclude you from the ability to access it. So we work with, with families, um, you know, who can't afford it, but you know, if families are paying for Netflix, they certainly should be considering a service like this that helps to keep their children safer online. Yeah. It seems like a matter of priorities, right? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, so how long has Bark been around and what kind of, uh, growth have you seen and what have you learned as you've uh, learned more about your customers? So Bark, um, was, I guess, born about two years ago. Um, but we've really hit the ground running in terms of growth and traction, um, over the past year. Um, before I came on board, the CTO and CEO actually had a lot of success. They were part of TechCrunch Disrupt. Um, and, uh, you know, just again, when you hear about something like this, when you hear about technology that enhances and saves people's lives and protects families, you will get a lot of rallying around it. Um, when I came aboard, the team, um, had recently just been accepted into Techstars accelerator program, the Atlanta contingent. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I, I joined the team and just, just so blown away by how awesome the team is, their skill sets, how well we work together, what we're doing, how our customers are responding to it, um, how the general public is responding to it, how the media is responding to it. Um, so yeah, everybody loves it and they want more, you know, I mean, every time a new technology comes out, you know, we want to be able to integrate with their API and their, their internal team right away. We want to become a preferred service provider, um, that is accepted by their engineering team. Um, so you know, it's just staying on top of things and making sure if children are, you know, using this medium, whatever it might be, that we can integrate with it and, and help keep them safe, but also protect their privacy. Yeah, it seems like a never-ending challenge because I know that you know, watching the behavior of of our kids with their devices, you know, they switch back and forth between a bunch of different apps. And one week Instagram is cool, and the next week it's Snapchat, and the next week it's Kick, and the next week it's something else, and it's it's constantly moving around. Mm-hmm. So, how do you um, monitor that and stay on top of it? Like, do you have any processes or tools that you're using to monitor that kind of behavior? Um. I can't disclose the exact process by which that's <laughs> the our, secret sauce. Huh? Yeah. Our secret sauce. Right. Um, but what I can say is we're on top of it and as much as a tech company can be, um, you know, the second it's out and it's hit and it's, you know, blowing up among that, that segment of the population, we're on it. We're learning how to use it, how to work with it, and um, working on getting it integrated with our API ASAP, right? Because right. we don't want a single 
child to be hurt or cyberbullied or fall into some sort of unfortunate situation that will affect yeah, of course. their life. <laughs> so as the market shifts around you, how are you um, uh, paying attention to that? And then what um, what's your process like for making sure that your messaging and, and all of your marketing materials or all of your outreach and, and that type of thing is on point and staying current? Great question. Um, so, you know, we live and die by our systems and processes and, and basic things like our Marcom calendar. Um, but then we also keep tabs, uh, just like the platforms that we're using to monitor. Well, that's how we find out, um, about what's breaking, you know, working with organizations like common sense media and PR firms and parent influencers in the parenting and tech space, for example, like coolmomtech.com and, um, you know, just anyone who is super immersed in this space and especially, you know, subscribing to all the trade publications, you know, bottom line is if something hits, we know about it before the general public does. And then we work to address it head on. Yeah, um, you're just keeping your ear close to the ground. Uh, yeah, you have to. You have and, to. and did I hear that you're kind of using your own tool to, to listen in on what the next new thing might be? Yes, it's a, it's a combination of just being plugged into the space. Um, you know, I've been in the parenting and tech space for so long that my Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Flipboard feeds are so curated to that, right? Like I couldn't right. just come in and be like, I want to know everything about this. But over time, um, that's just where it has gone. And now that those platforms are actually using algorithms to tailor things even more to my liking, like for example, on LinkedIn, it's just, it's being served to me on a silver platter. I love it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of your unfair advantage, right? Is it, yes. you've just been in that space for so long and you've been listening to the right things for so long that that uh, the the pulse of what's happening kind of comes to you now. It absolutely does. And I, for that, I am thankful, you know, even as most recently as LinkedIn, when I go on LinkedIn now, the content that's being served to me, I'm actually quite pleased with. Um, so I am. Yeah, it's impressive to see how they've, uh, they've updated their algorithms to actually be more, um, more effective and more relevant. Exactly. And same with Twitter, you know, I was, I was a purist, and I wasn't sure how I felt about the Twitter algorithms um, being tailored instead of a real-time live feed. But I have to say, I, I actually spend more time on Twitter now because it is more relevant to me. I'm not having to sift through the clutter of following uh, the amount of people I do, um, which isn't a lot, but it's, you know, it can be noisy. So Yeah, it can add up quick. Yeah. So when you're thinking about, um, I mean, the business model is pretty clear, right? So I, I think I get that. But when you're thinking about how to communicate the value to a parent or how to communicate um, to a, a partner organization that you want to hook into their API, mm -hmm. uh, what are the different ways that you go about kind of codifying that? Are you doing different exercises to figure out what to say or what's, how do you think about that? Um, that I oh, love that question. Um, and that's something I should probably print out on my wall to just <laughs> center myself with every day because it's the most important, right? Like how are you communicating your value proposition? What is mm -hmm. through the clutter and what works well for us is, um, data, obviously hard data. For example, 56% of children who are signed up on the black 
on the um, Bark platform have experienced an issue since being on Bark. Wow. Yeah. So bringing it to parents' attention that it is real and it is happening. It's not like stranger danger where you warn your children about not talking to strangers, but the actuality of them being kidnapped is very, very low. Thank God. Right. Um, cyberbullying, sexting, they are very real and they are happening, if not to your children, to their friends. Um, and then the incidences of suicide and, and rising rates of depression, um, they're skyrocketing. That is a real and prevalent problem uh, in our society. So just speaking to that raises parents' awareness and not only parents, but organizations and schools. Um, schools are trying to deal with this. It, it disrupts learning. Um, it's it's a major, major issue, and they need help. They need yeah, technology to, to solve this problem. Yeah, because they're not equipped to deal with that level of counseling. They're not um, – I mean, school counselors are obviously trained, but can they deal with the volume right. of, of – of people that are uh, requesting some help. Right. And then uh, two other points I wanted to make. One is this is also a wonderful benefit um, for HR programs, for large corporations. You know, we're integrating. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So they can offer this as a benefit to their employees, uh, which we're we're seeing is very well received. And then finally, case studies. Um, When we get customer feedback, which we do every single day, about how somebody loves this, how somebody's so thankful for this, or how an issue was flagged and somebody got to address this in real time. Um, that's real. Like you can't argue with that. That really happened. These parents are thankful. And what, what makes me just feel validated that this is the right career choice for me right now is the fact that we've been able to prevent uh, 15 suicides alone this year. Um, wow. yeah. Because our technology brought it to the parents' attention, they were able to address it and get their child help um, before it escalated. And that, to me, is just that. I mean, that's everything. Yeah, that's super powerful. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned um, collecting customer feedback. Are you doing that in a formal way, or you just, is it just people emailing you, or how does that work? Yes, people email us, but as you scale your customer service protocol has to as well. Um, so we use Intercom right now. And oh yeah. Great tool. Yeah. That works very well for us, um, on so many levels. So we're really, really happy with that. So as people come in and that, so if, for those of you who don't know how intercom works, it's basically a little thing that sits on your website and it can collect, um, text-based, uh, feedback, um, can turn into, uh, live chat or it goes to email There's a couple different ways that it can, um, uh, get filtered in. So if, as you're going through that, are are you looking for common threads or how are you sorting and filtering the things you're going to pay attention to? And then how does that help drive decisions about where the product is going to go? Yes. So a uh, specific example, um, we noticed an influx of customer comments coming in about um, iCloud. You know, iCloud and iTunes and Apple, they're, they have very stringent security standards and they're getting more and more, um, I don't know what the word is, but you know what I mean? They're, they're clamping down in uh, preparation for this newest release. And as a mm-hmm. result, um, certain technologies, including ours, um, might suffer from just a widespread lockout where parents have to reset their 
iCloud passwords because it might have been deemed a security threat. And so once we saw, you know, five or 10 of them come in, you know, we were alerted and we decided we need to do a mass um, email letting the parents who are hooked up with iOS on our system, letting them know, here's what happened, here's why it happened, here's how to help make it better, and we're here for you to help walk you through it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that helps to drive, you know, what our product team is working on, how our marketing communication um, processes are updated, and um, even just little things like, gosh, how many parents on our system are signed up with um, iOS versus Android or desktop. Yeah. So, so I guess by listening to that feedback, that helps you understand where you might need to make the app clearer or easier to use, or maybe, um, change the process in some way, right? Yes. Yes. Because, you know, working with such large tech companies like Facebook and Apple and Google, um, you know, it's not always easy to just call up the phone and be like, hey, <laughs> you guys. Are That's really cheap. hard, actually. And it um, it's affecting us and our customers. So we need to know about this ahead of time so that we can iterate and and pivot. Um, so, yeah, it's you know, I think any startup that is working with a major player um, feels these growing pains. Um, but we just in our communication style try to be as upfront and clear and authentic as possible. We don't use tech speak, you know, it's just like, Hey, here's what happened. Here's how we fix it. You know, we can't, mm-hmm. we, we can't predict what Apple and Facebook and Snapchat and any other platform is going to do, but rest assured that whatever they do, we're on top of it. And we're going to make sure we're doing everything that can be done to protect your children online from a technological standpoint, given the resources that are out there. Yeah, so it sounds like you're kind of positioning yourself as an advocate for the parents um, to be a watchdog for what's happening on all of their kids' social presence or, or digital presence, as it may be. Absolutely, and that speaks to our larger, again, marketing communications efforts in that we're not just technology, we're not just a website, we're not just an app. Um, we have a blog where we don't just blog for the sake of blogging and building SEO, right? Like. We're actually investigating different topics like the history of cyberbullying and just so many things that parents are looking for. Like, I want to know how to choose the best cell phone for when it's time to give my, well, now he's eight, but soon he'll be, you know, 10 and 12. And what do I get for him? And how do I set the parental controls? And, you know, as a mom in tech, I know these things, but there are so many parents who don't and don't even know where to begin. So we really want to be your family's tech and cyber safety advocate um, throughout this process of raising digital natives. Yeah, that concept of a digital native is still kind of new, I think, to a lot of people because, well, being a digital native is new. Mm-hmm. Um, we stop and, and think about it. Um, these kids are the first kids who have really grown up with, with uh, the Internet all the time. Right, it's always on. Always, uh, they don't even know what a modem is. They don't know that concept of <laughs> dialing up, much less the concept of there not being an internet at all. Right, <laughs> right. And so their communication patterns and the way that they think about the world is is drastically different from the way that we think about the world. Mm-hmm. So, which kind of brings me to an, another question about when you go and you have kids. I guess you have to have the kids 
permission or you get their passwords or whatever to, to get access to their social accounts. Um, what, what have you seen in terms of how do you have that conversation? How, do, how are you as a company assisting the parents in having that conversation? And what have you learned through research? Well, we give the parents when they sign up four different options for getting that initial connection made. Um, and that's, that's one of the biggest hurdles, right? Because there's so many different accounts, there's different devices, different operating systems, different levels of comfortable, you know, comfort with tech. Um, so that's, that's definitely a a hurdle, um, that we have to continuously work on and refine. Um, but we give them the option of connecting the accounts right there because their teen or tween is with them. So there's that, uh, inference of, Hey, this should be an open and honest and ongoing conversation. This shouldn't be something Mm -hmm. should have to hide. However, we realize that there are some parents that, um, have their children's passwords and are not going to have that conversation with them right now. And so we give, uh, them a way to connect accounts as long as they have the passwords. Um, then there is a way to text your child and email your child, uh, you know, that way they can connect it, um, after the fact, but in all that we do and all that we communicate, we're saying, look, this is an issue. This is something that you need to talk about with your children because it's not going away. And, you know, (laughs) history and data show that having an open and honest and ongoing conversation about any issue, um, results in the best outcome versus, you know, acting by force or acting in a threatening or authoritarian way um, doesn't always have the best outcome. Right. So it, it seems like a lot of your work is really focusing on being empathetic towards the situation that both the parent is in and then the child is in and kind of helping them uh, have that conversation, helping them facilitate it. I, I downloaded the app in the background and I got to that point where you're connecting your kids' accounts and I see the thing where you say, here are some ways to start the conversation. So yes. it looks like you've done a pretty good job of anticipating or maybe you're listening to what feedback you're getting, but anticipating that need and providing some solutions kind of preemptively to help them use the product. Absolutely. Because again, we don't want to just give a, a problem without a solution. Um, right. For example, let's say you get an alert that your son uh, has received an inappropriate text from somebody, you know, asking him to GNOC, get naked on camera, or, you know, who knows what, right? Well, beyond just sending you the fact that that actually happened and who it came from and on what platform it came, um, we also give you best recommended next steps of how to talk to your child about sexting and the ramifications of it and how do you address it? What's, what should you do next? Should you block that person? Should you reach out to their parent? You know, this is, this is a lot to navigate with this. And we, again, want to be your advocate and your partner in this because it's, it's some heavy stuff, man. (laughs) Yeah, it really is. And I'm, I'm fascinated by the fact that you've identified that it's not just about solving the actual problem or what might be perceived as the actual problem of monitoring what's happening on all of these networks. But maybe the problem is once that happens, how do you have a conversation about that? How do you have a healthy conversation about that and maintain the trust with your children that this is in their best interest as well? Absolutely. And I think that's why 
our product is more well received than other monitoring technology that that doesn't respect that relationship. Yeah, right. So I'm, I'm curious, like, when did that realization strike that the problem isn't actually or as much the monitoring piece as much as it is the having the conversation and maintaining that relationship? Because it seems like that's the business you're in more so than just the monitoring. That was clear from the beginning. Um, you know, Brian Basin, our CEO, and Brandon Hilkert, our CTO, um, they uh, are a lot like you and I, where they're, <laughs> I think I just called ourselves cool, but you know, <laughs> we're cool. Like, we get it. Like, kids are going to be kids. We were kids at one point, um, but nobody's going to get anywhere <laughs> in a good way if we're not like I said, cool about it. Like you've got to be, um, realistic. You've got to be fair. You've got to think about how this will result in the best outcome and you have to do it differently. You cannot do it the normal corporate standard way. You've got to think outside the box and really cut through the clutter. Yeah, so that that goes to something that we talk about a lot is really understanding the user's needs and the goals that they're trying to accomplish. Mm -hmm. And um, it sounds like the the primary goal or the one that that is most obvious is monitoring of the activity, but the secondary goal being having that conversation and keeping that doorway open. Um, knowing that from the very beginning is part of what led to the success of the platform. Correct. Yes, exactly. And, you know, as, as parents uh, on the team, we're all actually dealing with this, right? Like we have children and we're trying to figure out how do we talk about this stuff with them and how do we protect them and not, you know, (laughs) ruin their innocence by telling them too much too early. But at the same time, we want to be the first person that, you know, thwarts any sort of issue that arises with them versus them, falling into an unfortunate situation. So, um, you know, we got, we got built in use cases on the team. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So uh, I'm curious what's next. Um, now that you've got all these networks, I mean, you talked about monitoring and when a new app or a new network pops up, you want to obviously be on top of that, but Mm -hmm. uh, what's next for the future of bark and and how are you going to make the decisions on which direction to take the company? Um, great question. So right now we have a lot of, I guess levers in place and we are figuring out which ones to turn on more and which ones to pause more. So, um, we've got a, a pilot rolling out with a major school system in the Northeast and we are so excited to see the result of that. Um, once we get learnings from that, we'll know if we need to take it across the country or if we need to tweak it and then try it again. Um, at the same time, we're also working with large corporations to be a preferred HR benefit. Um, again, if it's well received with the various employees, um, there isn't a lot of confusion. The customer support aspect is able to support their various questions and needs. Then we'll know, hey, this is really awesome and valuable, and we can scale this across multiple corporations. If it's not, we got to go back to the drawing board. Um, and then there's the uh, basic, you know, B to C straight to consumer, 
um, continuously staying top of mind um, that we are an option. We feel we are the best option and we you need to be using our option. And in this world of so much clutter, I mean, everywhere you look, um, I think you and I've actually had a conversation about this offline before where, you know, back in the day, <laughs> there were three TV stations and a handful of radio stations and newspaper. And if you put a yep. message out, it was seen. Now, yep. people aren't always on those mediums. If they are, you never know when. Um, and not only that, but there's the whole, like, they're on their mobile devices. So how are you going to hit them? with enough impact and frequency and reach so that they take note and then take action. And we're constantly iterating our marketing strategies to be as effective as we can on those fields. Right. And to be relevant and in the right channel at the right time, at the right place, and uh, mm-hmm. make sure that you're you're actually resonating with that target market. Exactly. So it's interesting that you, you mentioned you've got a couple different levers you're pulling and a couple are kind of, I don't know if B to S, business to school, is that a thing? Absolutely. Okay. Um, so one's kind of B to B, one's B to S, and one's B to C. How are you measuring the impact and how do you know if, if the B to B, for example, you mentioned if the customers or the, um, I'm sorry, the employees are adopting it, mm-hmm. um, what, are you following certain metrics or is it more anecdotal feedback? Are there any um, processes or tools that you're using around that to try to make sure that something is being effective? Yeah, well, it depends on the size of the corporation, but larger corporations have entire internal websites that are dedicated just to HR benefits. Some of them even have, you know, AI bots and their own form of intercom. Um, so if we get a lot of data that people are asking about a specific keyword or, um, item, then we know that we need to focus resources on providing communication and learnings around how to best use that or how to best, you know, so yes, it, it is, more so anecdotal right now, but as more and more data comes out, we'll be able to get better better data from it. Yeah, so it sounds like just a lot of active listening to your target market and paying attention to what's going on and, and really paying attention to what the users are saying and, and what they want. Exactly. That, I mean, if you're not giving your user what what they want you are so out of luck (laughs) yeah exactly because there's so many options right they're going to go somewhere else if you're not paying attention to their needs then they're going to look elsewhere yeah and it's interesting one of my dear friends and colleagues dale mcintyre um he uh he went to harvard and he said one thing that one of his professors kept telling him over and over again was you are not your user and i think about that often because i am not my user I am a mom. I am in tech. I have a son who is using this technology and we're using it as a family. But at the end of the day, you've got to listen to your user. Yeah, that's a fantastic point. And um, I can't think of a, of a better way to wrap things up. I mean, that's, that is the crux of customer discovery and human-centered design is listening to people and delivering what they want. So how can people get in touch with you if they want to just chat about what's happening at Bark or if they just want to learn more about what's going on? So thank you, by the way. This is awesome. And um, my name is Titania Jordan. Um, that is also my Twitter handle. If you want to Facebook stock and connect with me, LinkedIn, uh, hit me up on email. It's T-I-T-A-N-I-A. J-O-R-D-A-N at gmail.com. Um, and more importantly is Bark, 
Um, you know, it's all about this service and platform right now. So www.bark.us Twitter, you can find us at join bark. And, um, we are just so excited about what the future holds in terms of, um, machine learning algorithms and how the general public is embracing what we're doing. And we're just so thankful for people like you who are taking the time to hear our story and are offering what you can do to, to help us scale and grow. Yeah, well, we'll do the best we can. Um, I'm going to go ahead and get it set up in our family, and uh, we'll see how that conversation goes later tonight. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thanks for being on the show. Um, Let's get you back on at some point in the future, and let's hear how things are going in the B2B and the B2S world. Okay, sounds great. Have an awesome day. Thank you. You too. That's it for today. Thanks for listening to Design Driven. We're glad you enjoy the show. Have comments, questions, or an idea that you'd like us to cover? Point your browser to designdriven.biz and click Contact Us on the top of your screen. We'd love to hear from you. Tell your friends and colleagues about the Design Driven Pod. Post on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, or send them an email. And tell them to go to designdriven.biz or wherever they find their podcast. Until next time, remember what Thomas Watson, founder of IBM, said, Good design is good business.